0: Lord, we thank you that, God, that you would continue to be faithful to us. We thank you that we can trust and count on you. God, I pray now as we look into your word, Father, we would sense not only how faithful you've been looking back, but how faithful you will continue to be moving forward. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Everybody says together. Amen. Good morning, everybody. My name is Matthew. I'm the student pastor here at New Life. I'm really glad that I get to close out 2018 with all of you guys with a really just a good look at the at the at the word of God today. It's going to be a good day. Amen. All right. So, you know, the end of the year is always a good time to reflect. It's a good time to think about the year that was and also to kind of ponder and, and wonder about the year that's to come. And today I want to take a look in John chapter 15. And if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand. Our ushers have them. We'd love to have you follow along. We're going to look at John 15. There are, in the book of John, there are seven I am sayings of Jesus. And we're going to look at the seventh one in John 15. And the reason that Jesus points this out to his disciples is because he's stressing the importance of staying connected to him. Essentially what he's telling them is this stick with me, stick with me. And this is not like light encouragement. He's telling them stick with me because this is actually the difference between life and death. So let's look at John 15 verses one to eight together. You can follow along here on the screen. I am the true grapevine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit And he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So today we're going to talk about what it means to be connected to Jesus. And one of the ways that I can tell how connected I am to things is by the way, it's how I use my phone. There's an app on, on pretty much, I think, every phone at this point that tells you about how you're using it. For me, I'm, a, I'm an iPhone guy, so it's called Screen Time. And every week I get a report that tells me how much time I've spent on average per day on my phone. And it also will break down like how those hours, yes, hours per day, are being spent. It tells me how much time I'm spending on things like Instagram or Facebook. It'll let me know how many notifications I receive in a given day, how many text messages I'm getting. It'll even let me know the differences between productivity when I'm reading like I should be and when I'm doing whatever the opposite of productivity is. I don't like the word lazy, but <laughs> but there's another story that that time tells. That time lets me know the things that I'm working to be to stay connected with and stay connected to. So as I was looking through all this this week, I noticed that there was one thing that kept appearing more than anything else. And as much as I wish I could tell you it was the Bible app, it was actually my beloved New York Mets. A lot of Mets fans in this church. I love it. God's people are here. Amen. But I realized when I was looking through my app this week that I spent a lot of time looking up and researching things about my favorite baseball team. I'm trying to find out what players they're trying to to add to their team, who they're going to trade, and who they might get in return. I'm even trying to figure out whether or not this is a championship year at last, and I should go out and buy tickets, or if I should just stay home because it's a lost cause. And all the Yankee fans said amen. (laughs) Amen. The thing is, I invest a lot of time and energy trying to figure out and stay connected with my favorite team, even when they aren't playing. I do everything I can to stay in the know, to stay connected. Now, maybe baseball isn't your thing, maybe sports is not your thing, but there are things in all of our lives that we work really hard to stay connected with. For some of us, it's friends and family The holiday season is here, and you've probably spent a ton of time with people that maybe you haven't seen or spoken to the entire rest of the year. So you're trying to cram in a whole year of conversation in one family dinner. Those have to be some really interesting conversations. Maybe there are certain celebrities that you want to keep up to date with, so you scroll through their Instagram and social media feeds to stay in the know of what's going on in their lives. Maybe there's, there's shows that you can't wait to get home and binge watch so you can stay connected with the storyline that's happening in them. The point is we usually try to find ways to keep up with things that we believe add value to our lives. No one spends and invests time intentionally on stuff that they don't care about. There's something in all of us that drives this need and desire for connection. Connection. It's something that Jesus recognizes in us. And in our passage today, it's the reason that he's pointing this out to his disciples. He's telling them that they need to stick with him because he knows our our tendency to wander off and go our own independent way. And today I want to drill down on two of the eight verses that I just read before. It's John 15 verses 4 and 5. But I want to first give us a picture of what's happening around those verses. We find Jesus here talking with his disciples, and he's he's giving them an image that would be incredibly familiar to them. He's giving them the image of a vine, branches, and a gardener. This would be totally familiar because they see this in the world that they happen to live in. They're walking down the street. There's a vineyard. There's a vineyard. That one makes bad wine. That one's got good grapes. They know it. They recognize it. They understand it immediately. And Jesus begins by telling them, I'm the true vine, and my father is the gardener. Now, in declaring himself the true vine, Jesus is establishing for his disciples something really important that he's also establishing for all of us today, that he is the source of our lives, that Jesus is the source of our lives. Now, I think it's so interesting that he doesn't say, I'm a vine. I'm a vine in your branches. He says, I am the true vine. In other words, there is no other vine. There is no other source of your life except for me. There's no other vine that the Father is cultivating and developing. There's no other vine that he's caring for except for me. And because of that, you need to stay connected to me. This is similar to what we find in the book of John, verse fourteen, six. It says, excuse me, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He's painting this picture of a vine supplying life to the branches for the purpose of bearing fruit. He's painting a picture for them of the the process that they have to undergo in order to become everything that he's called them to become. That he's created for them to become. Jesus is taking this time. He knows that maybe the next day, maybe the day after that, they're coming for him. He knows that the cross is near, and before he goes, he's telling his disciples, there's some stuff that's about to happen, and it's really important that you stay connected to me. But not only because of what's about to happen now, but in order for you to become everything that I desire for you, in order for you to fulfill all of the potential I've put in you, you need to remain and stay connected with me. And so that's exactly what he tells them in verse 4. Remain in me and I will remain in you. He's talking about his disciples' relationship to him. His word is to remain. Maybe in another translation you've heard that or, or seen it, abide. They mean the exact same thing. He's addressing their connection. He's inviting his disciples to stick with him. There's another way that we can think of this. There's another way to say it. And again, Jesus understands what's about to happen. He knows that these guys, he says to them on a number of occasions, the world is going to hate you because of me. And you've got no chance whatsoever at making it through life with all of that coming at you unless you're connected to me. But another way to say it is this. Jesus brings it a little closer and makes it a little bit more personal. He's saying, make your home with me. Make your home with me. I want you to think with me for a moment about home, but I want you to think about it in its most ideal, perfect sense. If you were to give the perfect description of what home is, and its most perfect home is a place of rest and refuge, it's a place of safety and security, it's a, a place of restoration and relief. Home is the place where every journey that we go on in our lives launches from, and it's the place that we come back to over and over again. It's the place that we long to come back to over and over again. If you've ever gone on vacation for just one day too long, you know how good it feels when you just get back home. This is, our, this is what Jesus is saying about himself. I want you to think about me and relate to me that exact way. I want you to think of me as your rest. I want you to think of me as your refuge. I want you to relate to me like I'm your protector, I'm your safety, that everything that you do in your life launches and comes out of who I am in your life. Jesus is offering this up. The invitation is to remain in him, to make our home with him. Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the book of John, says this about remaining with Jesus. The single most important condition to this end is a housing decision, a veritable real estate transaction. Where will we live? So my question for us today is, where do you live? Where are you making your home? Where are the places and what are the things you're choosing to remain in? Are they houses of fear, are they houses of anxiety, broken dreams, jealousy? Are they houses of your family of origin dictating your life? Or are we making our home with Jesus? I can always tell in my own life when Jesus isn't my home. It's always super clear and very evident. And if you ask my wife, she'll tell you, not, he's not praying. It's at those times when I've been away for too long that my patience wears really thin. That I'm really easily annoyed, that I'm frustrated, that peace and rest are hard to find. I'm short with people. My ability to be creative is incredibly limited. I get really selfish. To sum it up, I'm just really unpleasant. But this is exactly why Jesus gives us this invitation to make a home with him. He knows what our lives would be without him, and he's offering you something better today. He's saying to us, remain in me because my way, if you remain in me, if you stick with me, I've got your life in store for you. Not some false version of it, not some light version of it, but the full abundant version of your life is found in your relationship, in your remaining, in your connection, in your home building with me. And the most beautiful thing about all of this is Jesus has already moved in. He's already pointed his life towards us. That's exactly what the cross was about. He came, he lived, he died, and he rose again, and he pointed to himself as the way to life. And this is not one of those passive invitations. Maybe you've heard these before. Hey, let's hang out sometime. But that's the end of the conversation. There's no when, there's no time, there's no place. It's let's just hang out sometime. I have a list of people on my phone who are waiting for me to tell them when sometime will be. I hope they're not waiting to eat because they will starve to death. <laughs> Jesus is saying, let's build a home together. I'm already here. I've already done it. It's finished. I'm reminded in, of the book of Revelation, verse three, verse, chapter 3, verse 20. It says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. When somebody's knocking, there's a certain level of, being, of intentionality there, isn't, isn't there? Like, think about it. They had to go from wherever they were to come wherever you are and knock at the door. They're asking you to let them in. Jesus took the first step already. He showed up. All so that we can have an opportunity to build a home with him. Despite our shortcomings, in spite of our failures, in spite of our brokenness, he's not asking us to make sure before you open that door, please be fully dressed in your absolute best. Make sure that you can put your best foot forward. He's saying, no, you know what? You got your rollers and your robe. Open the door. I want to come in. I'm here for you exactly how you are right here, right now, today. I want to build a home with you. But Jesus doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just stop with encouragement for his disciples to stick with him or to remain with him. He tells them the reason that we should do it. Verse 4 continues, for a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Again, he starts off this verse saying, I'm the vine, you are the branches. He's saying, I'm the source of your life, not just your physical being, but the source of everything you're to become. And if we want to be fruitful followers of Jesus, if we want to be helpful people to be used by God, if you want to understand his will for your life, then making a home with him is where we start. Making a home with him is where we need to begin. But there's times when we can just live and it feels like we're cut off. And I thought immediately about what happens when, when you cut off a branch, it doesn't just die right away. How many of you this Christmas, or any Christmas for that matter, have ever had a real Christmas tree in your house? Just a, show of, a quick show of hands. So I love my real Christmas tree people. It's great. But you know, when you go get a tree, it looks beautiful, doesn't it? It's lush, it's green, nobody's picking up the Charlie Brown tree over in the corner, unless you're trying to have like an ironic Christmas or whatever it is. You want the beautiful, lush, green tree, but there's a reality about those trees. They're cut off from their source, which means that the life that you see in them is not sustainable at all. And you know that despite all of your best efforts, all the water you pour in the bottom and all the water you spray on the top and everything, eventually they just turn into a brown, dry mess. And this is exactly what our lives are like if we try to live disconnected from Jesus. Maybe at one point you were connected, but maybe something happened and interrupted you. Maybe something cut in on you and pulled you away. And eventually, the life that he deposited in you doesn't just disappear, but over time, it starts to wither and it starts to fade. Because you're not connected in order to sustain the life, in order for him to continue to breathe life into you. Eventually, we just dry up like a sad heap. That's really sad. I'm going to take that off the screen. It's making me sad. But oftentimes, we can have the appearance of life but there's nothing supplying it to sustain it. In my own life, I felt that way. I felt like there's times when I'm just living off of the last time I was connected to God. I'm living on yesterday's blessings, but it's only a matter of time before that runs out. In other words, I live like a branch that's been cut off. I'm clinging to the life that God deposited in me, but I'm not staying connected to Him to sustain it. And yeah, fine, like I might look like I'm alive for a little while, but I'll never bear fruit that way. Like, understand, you're not made to grow leaves and look alive, you're made to bear fruit and be alive. You're made to reflect the things that God is doing in our lives. Because that's what fruit is. It's the changes that he makes when we let him in, when we stay connected to him. That's why this is the difference between life and death. We can't bear fruit if we aren't sticking with Jesus, if we aren't making our home with him. So how do we do this? How do we go about actually making a home with Jesus? I want to give you four ways that we can do it. This is the first one. We make a home with Jesus through prayer. Prayer is simply a conversation with God. Prayer is actually the conversation that opens the door to the knocking Jesus. That's why whenever we invite people to accept Christ, we do it with prayer. At its best, prayer is us talking honestly to God about the ways we're encountering him. That's why I think it's so great that starting Uh, Thursday this week and Friday, we're having two nights of prayer as a church to root ourselves in Jesus, to make Jesus our home as we launch out into whatever the rest of the year has in store for us. And if if you're busy on Thursday and Friday, come anyway. Come and join together and be united as a church in prayer. The second way is this. We make a home with Jesus in communion. It's at the communion table that we remember the cross, We make a home with Jesus when we come to the table in remembrance of what it is that he's done for us. But this is also a way that we fellowship with him. Think about it this way. It's like sitting down to eat a meal that Jesus has prepared for us to eat. The third way is we make a home with Jesus in his word. He points out in John 8, 31 and 32, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And the word is where we learn how to follow Jesus. We encounter the word through preaching in small groups, Bible study, personal or family devotions or just simply sitting down to read it for the sake of reading it. In the pages of the word of God, we actually encounter God. We encounter his plans, his desires, his purposes, and we have an opportunity to orient our lives around the truth that we find in his word. And the last thing is we make a home with Jesus by keeping his command to love one another. Dale Bruner again says we make our home with Jesus when we believe in him honestly enough that we want to keep his simple command to love one another. The way we love each other is a reflection of our connection to Jesus. And loving each other is completely impossible if you don't have the first three. That's why this is fourth. Because if we're not connected to God in prayer, if we're not having fellowship with God on a regular basis, coming back and remembering what it is that he did for us at the cross, if we're not seeking God out in his word, then we have no chance whatsoever of loving other people. Because let's face it, other people, it's really, really difficult. And other people are usually the reason it's so difficult, right? It's easy to point a finger and blame them, but in actuality, in reality, I'm the reason it's hard for me to love people because I'm not connected to Jesus the way he's calling me to be. This leads us to verse five. In verse 5, it says this, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, Jesus is shifting again, and he's saying, I'm making this, I'm bringing this down from talking about, like, a vine and branches to talking about a group of people. Now I'm talking to you about you. I'm the vine, you're the branches is what he's saying. He's making it super clear. He doesn't want you to miss it. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus is making a promise here. He's promising fruitfulness to anyone and everyone who will remain in him. And I think it's safe to say that all of us at some point or another want and desire to be fruitful. The thing is, the, the kind of fruit here isn't measured by human standards of what fruitfulness or abundance look like. The fruit Jesus is talking about is the change that happens in our lives when we live connected to him. And understand what's fruitful to God might not be what the world defines as fruit. <clears throat> it might not even be what I sometimes define as what fruitful looks like. See, the word that we all long to hear at the end of our lives is well done, good, and faithful servant. Not well done, good, and flashy servant. It's not always going to be the big show or the, the gigantic display. Sometimes it's the small thing. Oftentimes, it's the small things. Maybe bearing fruit in your life means that you're just more prayerful. Maybe it's greater patience with people around you. Maybe you're more bold in sharing your faith. Maybe you're more generous when it comes to giving, more eager to serve others. Maybe maybe this is the time in the year that you're going to open your home for a small group. When we make our home with Jesus, when we strive to stay connected to him, the promise that's attached to that fruitful. is we'll live a fruitful life, but it's because of what he's doing. But this is where faith comes in. We have to believe, we need to believe that God is going to do something in us and through us as we make our home with him. We have to have faith that God will do what he said because that's what keeps you coming back over and over time and time again. Because the truth of the matter is, you're not always going to be able to see it, and you won't always be able to feel it. But we can take Jesus at his word that he's going to be the one to do the work. That all the rest of everything that comes after making a choice to make our home with him, he's taking care of it. It's It's in that reality that we can experience the full and abundant life that's promised. But well, there's another thing that he says here that, I, I, that we need to pay attention to because he tells us what happens when we try to live our lives disconnected from him and it's right there at the end of verse 5. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now that might be difficult to believe if we're just measuring everything by our own sort of human standards. After all, there are tons of successful people out there that do all kinds of things outside of a relationship with God. But if we understand what Jesus calls success, and we use that as a measuring stick, we understand that his absolutely nothing has little to do with our ability to do things. Jesus is talking about things eternal. He's saying you can't do anything that will last for all of eternity if you're trying to do it on your own. You might be able to accomplish some good stuff, but eventually you will empty yourself out and you will have absolutely nothing left to give or offer. I think about this when it comes to our student ministry. We have over 100 students connected in our middle school and high school groups here at our church. And our hope and our goal for them is that they would would know Jesus and they would learn to remain and stay connected to Jesus. But if all I do is run programs and play games with them and every Friday they come out and they have a good time and every Sunday they come out and they have a good time, but I'm not pointing them to a relationship, to connection with Jesus, I'm doing nothing at all. But further, if I'm not connected to Jesus, I'm doing nothing at all because I have nothing to actually offer them that's going to lead them on the path to the life that God has created them for and calling them to. Jesus starts off this sentence promising those who make their home with him that they'll do incredible things. And he ends it by letting the Christian who tries to live their life apart from him know they won't get very far. By his grace, though, he gives us opportunity to come back. By his grace, we have opportunity after opportunity time and time again to return to Jesus, to reconnect and allow him to continue to supply us with his life. I want to bring all of this together for us because Jesus has an incredibly powerful invitation for us to consider for our own lives. We all know how easy it is to build our lives without him or how easy it is to try and build our lives without him. The temptation to wander off and do our own thing is is great. It's huge. Especially when you're kind of in in one of those places where you're mad at God because things are not going the way you hoped or wanted. You're mad at the people around you. You're frustrated and you're angry. And usually one of the things that suffers is our connection and our relationship with God. Our lives get consumed with to-do lists and agendas. We can easily become branches on the ground, disconnected from the vine, having the appearance of life, but not actually bearing fruit. We're not living up to the fullness of what God has made us to be. And yet, even in those moments, we're invited to come back and make a home with Jesus. In those times, when we're far away, we're disconnected, when things are just not going well, Jesus says, I stand at the door and I'm knocking. And if you invite me in, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come in. I'm going to call our worship team to come forward. The full potential of your life is unlocked in remaining in Jesus, in making your home with him. If you want to become all of the things that God has for you, he's offering us a connection to him as the only way for that to be a reality. In verse 8, Jesus ends, he, he kind of summarizes this whole section and he says this, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples and this brings great glory to my father. Understand this, that you are never, you are never more in the will of God than when you're connected to him bearing fruit. Pastor Rich, next week is going to start a series on being uh, discerning like, and discerning what the will of God is. And I can tell you that step one in that is being connected to Jesus. Because all the steps after that are a waste of time if we're disconnected from him. His will for you is that you become all of the things that he dreamed up when he thought of you. But we can only do that in Connection. The greatest hope that any of us can have for our lives is to have them point to Jesus and bring glory to God. Jesus gives the answer. The way to do that is to stick with me. Remain in me and I will remain in you. And you will bear fruit. Sometimes it's going to be really easy. You'll pray without pause. You'll worship like you don't care who's around. You'll be in your scriptures like eating it up and devouring it. Other times it's going to be really difficult. And you're going to be fighting like crazy, usually with yourself. And yet Jesus is already there. He's made the trip. He's pointed his life toward us and he's inviting you to point your life back towards him. So as we head off into the close of this year and start a new one, I want you to think about this question. How is your connection to Jesus? How has it been? Are you taking him up on his invitation to make a home with him? Are you fighting to stick with him? Keep going. Keep fighting. Keep pressing in. Even when you don't feel like it, keep going anyway. He will meet you there. Maybe you feel like one of those branches on the ground. Let me encourage you today that your life is, your life, the best version of your life is found in you getting to Jesus. And he's waiting for you. He's waiting for you to get connected and he's inviting you to stick with him as he aligns our lives to bear fruit that he's created us to bear. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the supplier of our lives. Thank you that you are our true vine and that in you we can find life. May we boldly, unashamedly, unafraidedly run to you, connect with you, and learn to live in you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
1: Let's stand and sing together. Your promise still stands. Great is your faithfulness. Faithfulness.
2: Let's thank God for Pastor Matt. who just blessed us this morning. As we close our year. I want to invite our prayer team to come to my left. Who's ever going to offer the bread and the cup to come to my right. One of the more terrifying truths that Matt laid out for us is that we could have the appearance of life. But not really be connected. And I don't think. The the, the people who are most in danger of having an appearance of life are Christians. Because we can come to church every Sunday and give an appearance that everything is all right. Everything is fine. And yet you are dry. You're lifeless. But we just put out this front that, hey, yeah, we're just fine. And we are all in great danger of showing forth something that we're really not. And so we are invited to abide, to connect. That word abide in the Gospel of John is, is really, the you could argue, the key word in the Gospel of John. And that word abide is, in the Greek language, is the word meno. And we've talked about it before. And that word comes up not five times, not ten times, not fifteen times. That word, abide, remain, comes up 63 times in the gospel of John. Repeatedly, Jesus is saying, abide in me, abide in me, remain in me, because he knows, just like the hymn said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, that in in a New York second, we wander from the love of God. And I know that reality in my own life. Yesterday, I had a I had some great moments with God in prayer, just like really saturated, Holy Spirit-infused, goosebumps, like, wow, I just, this is fantastic. And then my kids got on my nerves. And it was like, it, it, in a moment, it was like I haven't prayed in three years. The level of irritation and anger and frustration And I thought, in a New York second, I could go from feeling goosebumps in the Holy Spirit to me wanting to bop my kid upside. Lord, how did this happen so quickly? We're sinners. We we lose our way. In a New York second, we're wandering. And so Jesus invites us to abide. And the reason why we are called to abide is in verse 9, where Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. You're not going to find more beautiful words than that. And everything Matt said today, why why are we to abide? As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus loves you with an everlasting love. And so what house have you been living in? Have you been living in the house of love? or the house of fear, the house of shame, the house of failure. What have you and where have you been living in 2018? 2019, we get an an opportunity to live in the house of the love of Jesus. And so our prayer team is here. Many of us, we're not living in his love. We're, We're living in the place of the criticisms that people have spoken over us, The failures that we've had, we're living in that space, firmly rooted in those realities. But those spaces will never produce fruit. They only lead to death. And we are invited to live in His love. And so our prayer team is here. For some of you, 2018, there was a lot of trouble. You lost family members, sickness. You're feeling the limits of growing old, financial troubles emotional stress, depression. Some of you, for 2018, it was a rough year. And you want to go into 2019 saying, circumstances might not change, but I, by the grace of God, will abide in Him. And may God's grace produce fruit in me. And so our prayer team is here for whatever needs you have. We have Anthony here who will offer the bread and the cup, which is our our, our, our source of of strength when we take bread and dip it in the cup we're saying lord i am drawing my life from you you are my source and so whether you're coming for bread and the cup whether you're coming to receive prayer these are two simple ways of abiding in the love of god and if you're not a follower of jesus today you're not connected to him it's impossible for you to produce fruit it's impossible, and yet He's calling you by name. What a wonderful way to end 2018 by saying yes to His love for the first time. No better way to enter into 2019 than to say yes to His love. And so our prayer team is here. The Lord's table is here. Let me invite you to open your hands towards heaven to receive a blessing. And downstairs, um, Pastor Jackie reminded me that there is um, there's some popcorn waiting for you downstairs, all right? They're popping some popcorn, preparing for the New Year's Eve party. They're, they're testing it all out. So get a bag of popcorn before you walk out of this building. It's in the shell room. So take advantage of that. But for the, whether you're watching online uh, with your hands and hearts and a posture of receiving brothers and sisters and sons and daughters of the living God, may the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face to shine upon you and fill you with peace. May you walk out of this building in the power of the Holy Spirit, abiding in Jesus, remaining in him, sticking with him. And may your life produce good fruit. May your life be marked by love and by joy and by peace, by self-control and perseverance and gentleness. May the fruit of the Spirit flow through you as you abide in him. And may God over and over prove his faithfulness in your life. And may you open your life to him day by day, hour by hour, moment by moment. I bless you all today in the strong, in the beautiful, and the abiding name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Grace and peace.